Hey, okay. guess what? What? We're back. We're back. Um, thank yeah. you everybody for understanding that we needed a week off um, as we were switching format and just kind of reevaluating things. Yeah. And also, I'm really excited with this direction that we're going in. I'm, I, I'm think it's going to be really cool. Me too. I think it gives us a little bit more freedom. Um, and, and, you know, like not every unsolved mystery has to necessarily be a murder. So we can not have an awful event every week if we don't want, you know. Now, it's true. mine today is awful. It's dreadful. Yay. You're welcome. Awesome. Thanks. Um, so what do you know about the Girl Scout murders? I have heard of it, but I don't know anything. Actually, when True Crime Garage did theirs, I think I skipped it. Good. Oh, man. I was like, oh, little girls. Nope. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> it's rough. But there's so much. Um, but I can handle you telling me rough stories more than I can handle, like, strangers. Right. It's because I say it with a smile. And yeah, also exactly. constantly flipping you off in the camera. Oh, I don't see that. <laughs> no. so... well, I'll raise my hand a little bit higher. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So um, I was feeling my writer oats as I wrote this one. Um, hopefully better than the notes that I just read you for our full episode. <laughs> one of the things I edited out while I was reading, it said she crushed her own wounds. And I was like, Paul, that's not a thing. I am convinced that you wrote that while you were napping. It's very possible. <laughs> All right. So, um. <clears throat> it was a warm June night in 1977. A storm Ooh. was building on the horizon and a group of Girl Scouts were settling into their tents at Camp Scott near Tulsa, Oklahoma. How's my um, announcer voice? I like it. Beautiful. This is NPR with Paul Adams, <laughs> all things considered. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Odd things had been happening all summer at Camp Scott. Counselors had reported that glasses had been going missing all summer. Strange noise. Glasses like eyeglasses? Eyeglasses. Or like glasses? Okay. Eyeglasses. It's a camp. You know, they didn't have real glasses. They would call those cups. Well, still. <laughs> I can see them being like, we have glasses, you know. Right. Um, trying to class up the joint. Um, strange noises had been heard throughout the camp. And nope. Two months before um, camp started in June, one of the camp counselors discovered that her belongings had been rifled through. And this is the worst fucking part. All of her donuts had been taken. <laughs> Not her donuts. And an empty, in the empty donut box, a note was left which read, quote, we are on a mission to kill three girls in one tent. So that might actually be the worst part, but your boy likes some donuts. Oh, I do love some donuts. Oh, there was mm. also an illustration on the um, note of a man being hanged from a tree. So um, I'm going to skip that. So I just before you tell the finish the story, I was a Girl Scout and I went to many a Girl Scout camp. So this is like the worst nightmare of my childhood. Come good. to life. Thank you. Good. Um. One of my coworkers, her daughter has been hanging out in my classroom while I've been cleaning this summer and stuff. Mm -hmm. And she, um, she told me the other day that she's never had a Girl Scout cookie and she didn't know what Girl Scouts did. So I told her that Girl Scouts sell the cookies and that if they don't meet their sales quota, then they become the cookies. <laughs> 
and her eyes got like that as is a secret biggest saucers and she was like what and i was like well yeah if you don't meet your goal you have to be a cookie and she was like what do you mean i was like well like what's the main ingredient in chocolate chip cookies and she was like chocolate chips and i was like and in peanut butter cookies she was like peanut butter i was like so in girl scout cookies and she was like oh my god are you for real <laughs> That's amazing. Poor little thing. Shout out, by the way, to Camp Lajita. I love that place. Ugh. That sounds like a, a fun place, Camp Lajita. It was a really fun place. Actually, there's a thrift store a few months ago that posted like an old denim jacket that had like a patch on it from Camp Lajita, and I almost bought it. It would have never fit me, and I almost bought the jacket just for the patch. Aww. It was so cute. Um, so, and then I wrote, maybe it's just me. But a threatening note and somebody stealing all my fucking donuts would have been enough for me to leave. A hundred percent. I've been like, I'm out. Bye. Um, oh, I would have been. No, but I would have been. Bye. Right. My usual self. Um, so camp was set up and ready to begin on June 13th, 1977. Mm-hmm. As the girls arrived at the Kiowa unit, they were all given the chance to pick, pick their tent mates. Um, mm-hmm. So Tent 8 became the home to three first-time campers who arrived there without camp buddies. No! Lori Lee Farmer, who was eight, Michelle Heather Goose, who was nine, and Doris Denise Milner was ten, all took up residence in Tent 8. Also, I don't know what this business is about tents, because we stayed in camp. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was a bougie Girl Scout, sorry. Not sorry, but... Um, Tent 8 happened to be the furthest away from the counselor's tent, and it was tucked away out of sight behind the showers. I just want to ask a question here. Uh-huh. Who thought that taking the three girls that had didn't never have been buddies camping? and had never been camping and sticking them, like, behind the showers was a good idea? Right. What counselor do we credit that with? Because you, you done fucked up. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Um, so the first night of camp, all after dinner activities were canceled because of the stormy weather. Instead, the girls were sent back to their tents for the evening and several odd occurrences happened during the night. Um, Mm. yeah. So around. I don't like that. No, you won't like this at all. Mm. Something in my room just fell. You keep keep looking around. It's totally freaking me out. (laughs) Sorry. Something (laughs) fell in here. So I'm rearranging my entire house. And Mm -hmm. every room is in the most disarray you can possibly imagine. Because we're like currently showing ourselves everything we own. So we can figure out what to throw away. I keep looking at the random music stand behind (laughs) (laughs) It's just looming. Yes. Um. So around 2 a.m., odd noises were reported by some of the campers, including what sounded like a little girl saying mama over and over. Nope. I don't like that. (laughs) Knew that was coming. Nope. Um, That's canceled. That is canceled. Also, strange moaning. Nope. Not here for the moaning either. (laughs) Yeah. Not at a little girl's camp. Nope. 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 <laughs> screams rang out. It. Screams rang out through the night, but the counselors just assumed that it was like girls playing pranks on each other, as children are wont to do. I. After how many screams? Though, do you are like, are you like, y'all need to shut up? 
Well. And go to bed. Maybe the counselors were busy. Maybe they were the ones moaning. Like, no judgment, maybe. but maybe be a counselor at a camp, and especially when it's eight-year-olds without their and, parents around. And not explore your uh, homosexual <laughs> tendencies. <laughs> like, I mean, do that. Just not on camp time. Do it. Just not, yeah, totally ex- <laughs> explore everything. Just not at camp with the little girls. Right. <laughs> not a good look. Um, nope. One girl even reported that someone had lifted the flap in the in her tent and peeked in with a flashlight and ran. Oh, fuck that. So. So much. The counselors Ooh. at least investigated these claims. They were through moaning at this point, I guess. And <laughs> got out of their tent to go do some work. Sally had her first orgasm, so everything's good. <laughs> but <laughs> they didn't find anything suspicious, so returned to their own tent. By the way... I saw a picture today. It was a meme that uh, a guy said, why did my dad wear this shirt to my eighth birthday? Have you seen this? I'll text it no. to you. His dad is wearing a shirt that says orgasm donor. And it's clearly like a family picture at a birthday. Like the kids buy a birthday cake. <laughs> oh my God. Have you ever... There's like an old meme or Tumblr or something where the guy's like, my dad once gave me a presentation about why you should wear a condom and it was all pictures of me. (laughs) (laughs) That's me as a dad. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, so that's not her name. (laughs) I might've been asleep for this one too. Actually, this was my iPad autocorrecting, but um, the next morning at around 6 a.m., Carla mm-hmm. will height, but my iPad corrected that to Wichita. So... <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Carla will height. Um, she was one of the Camp Scott's counselors, was making her way to the showers. She said she wanted to beat the rush to the shower, so she'd gotten up really early. And Yeah, that's a good idea, girl. Good on you. Oh, uh, no. Except mm-hmm. maybe you will stumble across some dead bodies, that's so ex- maybe not. That's exactly what happened. So on her oh. way to the showers, she came across a brightly colored sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. She thought initially that one of the girls must have slept outside after the storm passed, like to see the stars or whatever. Um, but as she got closer, she realized the girl was dead. And I think that's probably that like rationalizing part of your brain. Like, I thought it was a yeah. mannequin. Because like, who the fuck thinks there's a mannequin <laughs> lying in the middle of the woods all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was stargazing. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> two bodies were found not far from the first. Mm-hmm. And they were the bodies of the three girls in tent eight. Um, the, the nurse came to check the first girl for signs of life. But then for whatever reason, the other bodies were not inspected till the police got there. Like, so they didn't like even go over to see like, are like any of oh, you breathing? Nope. <laughs> Peace out. Yeah. I we're don't, done. We're done here. I don't get paid enough for this. Yeah. You don't get paid for anything. You don't get paid anything to counselor or Girl Scout camp. So yeah. Oh. The, I get it. The autopsy revealed that all three of the girls had been raped, brutally beaten, and strangled to death. Their bodies had then been bundled up and left about 150 yards from their tent. Oh, babies. A few pieces of evidence were collected from the surrounding area. Among those were mm-hmm. rope and duct tape. The murderer had brought had used the rope to hogtie the girls. <gasps> I don't know why I found I find hog tying especially heinous, oh, but yeah. I do. Yeah, it's real gruesome. 
Also, like, reading in this kind of, like, somber voice and reading this, like, narrative that I've written makes me feel like I'm on case file. Like, oh, I need real eerie music and Australian accent. Stat. Stat. Um, when the news broke of the murders, Jack Schroff, that's S-H-R-O-F-F, there's no easy way to say this name. No, there's not. Um, who, his land was next door to the Girl Scout camp. He came forward to say that his house had been broken into the night before and some idols, items had been stolen. But when the police asked him what had been stolen, he said, I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe try to make up a better story. <laughs> Literally say anything at this point. Like, if you're going to call the cops, be I, like, someone stole something, have a something. Look, if nothing else, something. I could be like, Stuff from Hobby Lobby. There's all kinds of shit from Hobby Lobby in here. They'd be like, mm, some of the Hobby Lobby stuff is definitely missing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would like to That's see the police. Missing. I want to see the police report that says Hobby Lobby shit as the missing item, like of the itemized <laughs> list. <laughs> you only have one sign that says gather. You can need at least two. <laughs> Uh, wait, she doesn't have a live, laugh, love sign in here anymore. Guys, make sure that goes on the list. Oh, no. There will be no live, laugh, love <laughs> sign in this fucking household. Thank you very much. Completely unrelated, but in college, this is a good story for Patreon. In college, I had a friend whose roommate was psychotic. She, like, when her boyfriend and her broke up, she emptied all of his solution, like, uh, contact solution out and replaced it with, um... As a purple alcohol. And all God. sorts of shit like this. She um, burned everyone's face out of every picture that she ever disagreed with. So like, even if like her and her roommate were like, it's your week to buy the milk. Then Lauren would be like, no, fuck that. And burn Jenny out of all the pictures. Like. <laughs> what happens when you make up and you're like, Oh, something happened to that picture. I don't, I don't know. And well, and then at one point she told us that her boyfriend um, had deployed. And well, I knew he deployed, but she said that he died on deployment. And then like two weeks later, she was talking on the phone to him. And so. <laughs> then, it's that streaming to Ouija board service. Right? God. So then she told us that he died like four months later and none of us like even paid attention. And he actually had. And <gasps> yeah, so it's like a little boy who cried wolf at that point. But she, it's so bad. one of the things that she did was this was still the MySpace age. So this was like my freshman oh, year of college. RIP, Tom. She took a picture that she'd taken of my friend Hannah and created mm-hmm. a profile because Hannah did not have MySpace, created a profile for Hannah and was accepting all these friend requests. And basically she was catfishing guys for pictures because Hannah was very hot, like Nobody could deny that. So she was like catfishing for all these pictures. And um, so somebody just told Hannah in class one day, hey, um, I added you on MySpace and you never accepted. And Hannah was like, well, I don't have one. So that would be why I didn't accept. Yep. So we go and we look up the MySpace and like, you remember the tagline that everyone had on MySpace? Yeah. Hannah's was live, laugh, love. And oh yeah, drink. Oh, so when MySpace was a thing, um, me and my friends would go out. Um, there's a place here called the Flying Saucer, and we'd have uh, they'd have 
pint night. So it was like two, two bucks for a pint of beer. Uh-huh. And so we go. And so we, um, we all had MySpace except for one of my friends. And so we talked her into doing it. And her tagline was, my friends bought me a free beer if I made a profile. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, so I finally emailed the Good girl time. and I was like, hey, do you know who might have used that picture? Because Lauren had taken the picture. And so I just emailed her. I was like, do you know who might have used that picture you took to make a fake MySpace for Hannah? And uh, she sent me back like a string of like, fuck you. I didn't do this. What is wrong with you? Why are you accusing me? And I straight up did not accuse, but I knew it was her. You're like, um, well, now I know it was you. <laughs> and the profile was deleted within like two hours. So excellent. <laughs> anyway so that's my live laugh love story i remember when i was in high school and like aol instant messenger was just like becoming a thing uh-huh i mean we all catfished the fuck out of each other constantly well that was back when all you needed was a pair of scissors and a scanner because all the photos were so low it was quality like our favorite activity <laughs> and no because this was aol before you could really like send pictures put pictures on <laughs> it was just like you were just already 25 blonde six foot tall and 113 pounds like I mean, that's what I look like now, so... Sorry. You dyed your hair red. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, that's true. I did dye my hair red. So. Now I'm a redhead instead of a blonde. Still six feet tall and grossly underweight. So, yay! <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so back to this awful I'm so far off the rails. <laughs> so, um... So, the community began to suspect that Shroff... Because of this lie, because he like walked over in the middle of the investigation. He's like, well, you know what happened over at my place? Someone stole something, but I don't know what. Well, I never. Just the other day, <laughs> I came home and my live, laugh, love sign was missing. <laughs> so the community began to suspect that he had done it, even though he passed several polygraphs. Because he was like, I really had nothing to do with this. I just... I thought maybe the people breaking into my house was related to this case. Um, right. Especially because he lived literally next door. Um, so the people of the town harassed him Who so much. Who lives next door to a Girl Scout camp, though? I mean, you don't really have say if this... Like, you have to move if the Girl Scout camp buys the land next to you? I'm what? not gonna. Who says, who says he lived there before the Girl Scout It was family said. land. Maybe he moved after. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Girl Scouts have been around for quite some time. Anyways, we're going off the rails again. Way Sorry. off the rails. Uh, anyway, so the people in the town harassed him so much that he ended up like being hospitalized because of his like failing mental health over this. Oh, poor guy. Um, That's sad. So on June 16th, three days after the murders, investigators brought in the Wonder Dogs. Oh. The Wonder Dogs were a group of highly trained tracking dogs made up of mm-hmm. two German Shepherds and a Rottweiler. And they had solved several cases using the Wonder Dog. So that's why they got this title. Like, they were like unstoppable forces. And so they had to be like flown in. But they were able to track the path of the murderer. Um, And so they tracked several paths. And this was a weird thing about the Wonder Dogs. Because they never messed up. But they tracked several paths following this scent. One of them led them um, past the castle castlers that's not a word past the counselor's nope. tent and then like to the girl's tent and then they followed it all the way to a pond on um on the shroff property but that's where the scent was lost um, okay. while they were tracking they also found a pair of women's glasses 
Women's glasses oh. are a common theme in this story, so just buckle up. Well, I don't like that either. It also didn't help. Like, so the scent was lost there, and then they didn't really have anywhere to go from there. And then on top of that, right. the DA and the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations gave conflicting reports all the time. One would say that a murder weapon had been found, and the other would say there has been no murder weapon found. One said that they had several suspects. Get your shit together. Right. One said they had several suspects, and one said they had no suspects. Um, and so it was like some kind of like dick measuring competition just to see like <coughs> who was going to solve the murder first. I don't know. Good, good. I'm so glad. Right. This is what our tax dollars pay for. Um, Even in the 70s. Get your shit together. So there was a wandering stranger who was interviewed and taken into custody for questioning. And he he really had just been out in the woods, like, smoking a lot of pot and didn't want to get caught. And so he was, like, go pretty I soon. I can support that. Yeah. He was, like, go pretty soon after he, like, he didn't even know he was on Girl Scout camp property. He just, like, like wandered into I'm the woods. I'm high as fuck <laughs> right. right now. Um, <laughs> and they were, like, what about the girls? He was, like, what girls? And, like, it was, like, clear that he was so, hey, he was so right. gone that he had no clue right. what was going on. But. Um, so the most obvious suspect was a man named Gene Leroy Hart. Okay. Hart was, I wrote Harry was an escaped convict. And I was like, Harry!" I just looked at my notes like, who the fuck was Harry? Like, I couldn't remember him in any of my research. (laughs) Like, Prince Harry did this? Harry Potter? Like, God. Um, so. He just snapped after he married that cow, Megan. (laughs) So Hart was an escaped convict who had been spotted in the area around the time of the murders. He had Mm -hmm. been convicted previously of kidnapping and raping two pregnant women and had stolen their glasses as trophies in 1966. Okay, A, that's creepy and weird. And two, no. (laughs) Just no to all of it. No. He was found guilty of and at that case they gave him i mean they literally threw the book at him and whatever stuck stuck he got 300 years without the possibility of parole but then they (laughs) let him escape so (laughs) he just got out well and so this plays into nobody knows how he got out nobody knows how he escaped and that plays anybody seen leroy (laughs) (laughs) that plays into why this is such a like fucking bizarre case so um he escaped from jail in 1973 and had been on the run since. So he was like in hiding for three years. Okay. He was Cherokee and he grew up with his mother about a mile from Camp Scott. And they were like very proud of their Cherokee heritage and he lived off the land. And that came very important for him, like surviving for three years on the lamb. Um, yeah, for sure. But he'd grown up just a mile away from the camp and played in the mm-hmm. woods all the time. So it was likely he was very familiar with Camp Scott. On. You know what? I have to say, like, if my son was constantly like, I'm going to go play in the woods, I'd be like, mm, what you doing out there? I played in the in woods, the woods. A lot growing up, but I built my own secret hideout and I just didn't want anyone to find me. Still questionable. <laughs> um, I never. The police left... come and ask me questions. I'm going to tell him that. I never. He played in the woods property. a lot as a kid, so you really need to look into this one. <laughs> 
<laughs> we had 20 acres, so I never actually made it off the property. I was too lazy to go that far, but... Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So on June 24th, um, a group of 200 law enforcement officials and 400 civilian volunteers gathered at Camp Scott to comb the area for evidence. And then okay. because um, Hart was the center kind of of the investigation at this point, um, the American Indian movement came and monitored like oversaw everything to make sure, sure that people yeah. didn't plant evidence against him or make false accusations. Well, I mean, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. But also, is it a good idea to have regular volunteers searching for evidence? Well, if 400 of them seems excessive. Not, not searching for the people looking for evidence. I, Cause I feel like I found a no leaf. Matter. I found a leaf. <laughs> but I feel like if, a civilian found a major piece of evidence. Any lawyer could try to have that right. thrown out. They just pick it up with their bare hands. It's like blood is now running off their hands. I have a human heart here. Look at <laughs> <laughs> these bloody glasses are on the ground. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, uh, this was the seventies. That's a lawless time, anyway. Still, I know. I don't know how anybody survived the seventies and eighties. But here I am. <laughs> About three miles from Camp Scott, a cave was discovered with a note written on the wall that said 77617, which was the date. The killer was here. Bye bye, fools. <laughs> I mean, clearly he meant it because he has not been caught, but also, what? <laughs> Along with. Along with this were items that tied back to the murders and to Jean Hart. These items included women's glasses, a roll of tape, pages from the Tulsa newspaper, and, like, one of the pages had um, things ripped out of it. They found a flashlight. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, with the 600 people, they did find a flashlight that had um, oh, newspaper shoved down around the battery so they wouldn't rattle. And so yeah. in the cave, they found the newspaper with that, like, the ripped pieces of paper came from that newspaper. Okay. Um, and then they also found photographs that Hart had developed because he worked in the photo lab in the prison whenever he actually had been there. So. Okay. Um, on July 29th, while the investigation was still ongoing... A bag was left on the porch of the camp director's house. In okay. Inside the bag was a pair of one of the girl's shoes and socks. Oh. And this fueled a 10-month, like, fiery manhunt for Gene Leroy Hart. And he was finally apprehended on... April 6th, 1978. I think I just said apprehended like I'm my dad. That's how he talks. <laughs> he was apprehended, y'all. <laughs> we have apprehended the suspect. <laughs> um, the trial of the state of Oklahoma versus Gene Leroy Hart started on March 9th, 1979 and lasted until May 30th, 1979. After a actually not pretty lengthy deliberation, the jury found Hart not guilty. <laughs> so, um, 
the also the transcripts of the trial were not released because in Oklahoma, if somebody is found not guilty, then the transcripts don't become public record. So I couldn't even read the trial to see what went wrong in a way that he would be found not guilty whenever there was a lot of damning evidence against him. Yeah. Um, it was rumored that the jury didn't want to convict him since he was already going to die in prison. He was still serving that 300 year sentence from the kidnapping and rape in 1966. Right. Three years later, Hart died of a heart attack and no suspect was ever found. No other suspect was ever found in connection to the Girl Scouts murder at Camp mm-hmm. Scott. Um, uh-huh. Now in two, in the nineties, they retested some of the DNA since DNA got better, but they said it was too oh, totally, deteriorated yeah. at that point to um, do anything with, but they still kept the sample. And in 2008, they started to raise funds to try to test it again. Now that technology is even better. So we still don't have anything from it, but here is why this case like sticks out to me. So okay. his involvement in the case welcomed a, a lot of local lore and mythology into the case. Right. So one of the, um, oh, this is a bad night for dogs. Just hold on. Oh, no. So, um, Not another one, it, please. It was a belief of the people. Like, they'd heard a rumor that um, a Cherokee medicine man had cursed the Wonder Dogs. And one of them died of heat exhaustion while on this case. And one of them, the day after they flew back to his home, broke off his leash and ran out into traffic and was hit by a car. Oh, no. Yeah. And so, like, the the heat exhaustion dog was super healthy. And, of course, they were all super well trained. So the fact that he broke off his leash was... Right. Yeah, it's very odd. And so it has played to that myth that, like, the medicine man cursed you. Um, I... I think that's a lot of like people not understanding American Indian culture and a lot less of like, they curse this poor dog. This is them. This is somebody understanding American Indian culture though. The next part. So, um, now the wonder dogs, one of the, I told you that they'd found multiple trails. One of the trails ended at the base of a cedar tree and Mm -hmm. they just kind of looked up and barked into the tree for a while. Okay. Um, so it had long been a rumor that Gene Hart was a skinwalker and that that's how he had been able to break out of jail. Um, and I actually have an interview where, where somebody from the tribe was interviewed about this. And I want to talk about that in a second, but so that was, okay. and I, he probably perpetuated that rumor about himself that um, he uh, had turned into an owl Um Oh, for fuck's sake. And that he turned into an owl to escape prison. And then when this trail ended at the end of the tree, then people were like, see, I told you he's an owl. He flew away at that tree. Um, and the reason it's important that it was a cedar tree is according to the, um, to the Cherokee, um, the state, I'm, I don't know how to pronounce this stage knee stagony. I don't know. I wish I had been able to look it up, but, uh, S T A G E N Y. Um, okay. Maybe. So we're going to say stagnate for right now. So okay. the um, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations agent Wilkerson um, was mm-hmm. recorded in a... That this was part of a documentary that was released, but it's from the original okay. investigation. Um, sure. He's speaking to a member of the Cherokee tribe named Crying Wolf. 
And he says, by the way, Crying Wolf, do you know what a stagni is? And Crying Wolf says no. And Wilkerson says, well, let me tell you what I know about the stagni. I've heard that it is a great medicine owl which sleeps under the cedar tree. I've also heard that Gene Hart has the ability to transform himself into a stagni. Personally, I believe this is ridiculous, but I'd like to get your thoughts on it. And Crying Wolf says, first of all, I will not discuss the stagni with you because that is something of which you should not know. The belief, okay. the belief in this transformation is quite prevalent. A great number of Cherokee people believe that a person can transform himself into another being, whether they want to hide sure. under a leaf, go into a rock, or whether they literally, literally want to become an owl or any other animal. Wilker, okay. Wilkerson said, do you believe Gene Hart could do this? And Crying Wolf says, no, I don't believe he could. He may, however, use these legends to his own benefit. He is not the quality of a person who could perform these deeds, but he could enhance his image by using the terms and knowledge of the old Cherokee ways so that he may give the appearance that he is performing these deeds. Opportunities to use these tricks would simply enhance his image. Exactly. That guy nailed it. And good on the interviewer for knowing to ask the question. Uh-huh. Well, and then Wilkerson says, you're not going to talk about the stagni, are you crying wolf? And crying wolf said, no, I'm not. Again, these are not, these are things you should not know about. Right. So, which um, is, that's fine. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I just have always been attracted to the supernatural element of it. Not that, not that I believe he turned into an owl, but that there is enough that like my, my tiny little um, conspiracy theory brain is like, what if he did turn into an owl, though, Paul? You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but to this day, that case remains unsolved, and I hate that for that's those families. Horrible. Yeah, that's really sad. So, that's a really interesting story. Yeah. And I'm so glad you didn't know anything about it. Like, I did not know it. I did not know it. So I, w- you were talking, and I wanted to this will not it would be great if we could find a book to tie to each one of these but i don't think we could but i just finished a book this week that takes place at a summer camp oh what book it's a thriller it's called the last time i lied by riley uh stager stager okay who yeah he wrote final girls and there's another book that he wrote that's pretty popular but it's set at a summer camp, and it's really, really, really good. You should check it out. Okay. I really liked it. So somebody wrote, like somebody spoiled Final Girls for me, so I couldn't finish it. But this one was really good. So if nobody spoiled Final Girls for you, you should read it. It's I, really good. No one has spoiled it for me. I read before I was spoiled were really good. Good. <laughs> All right. I'll look that up. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So I am super pumped about this new direction for patreon i'm very excited i can't wait to hear your story next week it's gonna be like a personal one for me so yay ish well have a good night i'm nervous like you know what the thing came to kind of a head in august or or no it happened in august so you know it's a good time to talk about it right yep Cool. Well, you have a good night, too. Good luck at school tomorrow. Thanks. So pumped. I have to give a workshop. Don't forget your lunch. Uh, we're going out to eat. Oh, well, uh, yeah, because the students are back. Yes, so Wednesday, don't forget back. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this Patreon-exclusive episode. 
The song, She Dreams in Blue, was written and recorded by Josh Woodward and is available at joshwoodward.com.